This is The Art Life. Hello, I'm Zandra Robinson-Burns, founder of Heroin Training, where we learn to be the protagonists of our lives through my essays and podcasts like this one. This episode, in preparation for the holiday season, is called Tis a Gift to be Simple. And to join me in talking about all things gift-giving is my lovely co-host, actress and activist, Grace Gordon. Grace, how is your art life? My art life is very integrated right now, very integrated socially, I guess. Um, I went back to Philly for like less than 72 hours over this weekend, which was quite taxing on the body, let me tell you, Um, (laughs) but it was fine. I went home for a a fundraising gala for this um this advocacy group this mental health advocacy group called the quell foundation and it is a organization that does a lot of work around ending the stigma around mental illness and supporting um supporting people with mental illness especially young people but also supporting those who have survived uh like the loss of a sibling to suicide um, it's a really wonderful organization, and I I went with my mom and my stepdad, and it was so sweet of my mom to invite me, and like she knew that this was a topic I was very passionate about, so she asked if I wanted to come, and I said, you know what, this is worth a trip, but an amazing gift was that the day after, my mom hosted like a mini Thanksgiving because she is going to be traveling during Thanksgiving. And I would obviously not be able to attend anyway because I live on the other side of the country. So she hosted a little Thanksgiving dinner and she said, do you want to invite any friends? So I got to invite um, my friend Jamil, who is the like co-star on the film that I just did over the summer. And I also invited my friends Sawyer and Ryan, who hosted a book podcast with me back when I lived in Philly. And all of these people came to my family Thanksgiving, and it was, like, an amazing time. Um, And my parents, my mom and my stepdad, who are both doctors, had, like, a doctor colleague and, uh, like, a a, someone who had worked for my mom last year come. And um, my stepbrother was there. And it was just, like, a really interesting mix of people. And, you know, everyone was so smart and got along great, but we all work in pretty different fields at this point in our lives. And I just felt so like nourished after the meal, not from the food. Yes, from the food, a little bit from the food, but (laughs) I felt so good with just like, you know, that I got to integrate literally people from my creative projects from like this other podcast I used to have and from a movie I was in, like come over and be part of my family. That was one of the most rewarding experiences of frankly the whole year. I'm getting chills hearing about this because it it sounds so lovely for integration in so many ways where living over here in the UK, most of my Thanksgivings are Friendsgivings. And so to get to have a family and friend gathering, as well as this mix of people working in different sectors. How I'm particularly interested in in that part of things, of how are conversations different, do you find, when people are coming from different areas of work? So I'm really interested in the art of conversation and of how to be like a moderator in social environments like that, how to be a good hostess. Um, that's something, like it's a skill that I, I want to improve. And um, hilariously, um, I somehow got us on the topic of like celebrity arch nemeses, probably because I'm always talking about my nemesis, who I will not mention on this show. <laughs> but Mysterious. Um, Oh, yes. Oh, yes. I have a celebrity arch nemesis and uh, I will take him down. And um, <laughs> my some of the people at the dinner like have known this for many years and have witnessed this like insane tangent that I go on. Um, but it, it spawned like a hilarious conversation. And I have noticed in the past over years 
that it's a really good like party question like who would your celebrity arch nemesis be and who would your celebrity best friend be and it's like really fun to get people to get into it and you really do learn something about the person and it also like you know it it kind of includes people from many different backgrounds like it included everyone there even though some people worked in medicine um one person's a writer one person's a teacher like it included all the people and my mom also invited although he he got there a little late because he was coming from work but my mom also invited um a friend of a family friend of ours who's a refugee from uganda who we've sort of adopted in the past couple years to help his his uh transition into American culture and finding a job and um I mean you know all of the many factors that he's had to figure out in his life coming from uh, a refugee situation so he obviously is not as well versed in like pop culture an American pop culture but he knows enough you know he knows enough to 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 have been able to answer who his celebrity best friend would be and he was like I really like Jay-Z and he got like you know really thoughtful about it and was talking about like it was like different American musicians who like played shows in Africa that he either got to attend or wanted to attend but it was in a different country it was fascinating I've been lucky enough to experience it like even when I was in Morocco um how Hollywood or like American pop culture can be a unifier even with a language barrier so I was like most gratified by that conversation with Kenneth because he's not even from here and he was able to connect with us and and talk about his life back in Uganda because of this entry point with my silly conversation starter well there's the power of Hollywood right there I can I definitely experience that over here where people are familiar with friends and American sitcoms and American movies and it doesn't always go both ways where there's a lot of really niche British stuff that people reference and I'm like I I need you to fill me in there um but with you don't have to go into personal details But I'm curious what kind of reasons people give for having a certain celebrity nemesis. Okay, so this is a really fun part of the question as well, because some people like me have nemesis because of like really specific emotionally loaded reasons, you know, like like some like someone who has a very different political stance from you or someone who's, you know, misbehaved in a huge way um, that you're offended by. And then for some, it's just really petty, which is like hilarious. So my friend Ryan, who's at dinner, for example, she hates Ed Sheeran. She just hates him. And it's not for a reason. (laughs) And she knows that it's not. She just cannot stand him. Like, she gets, like, really upset talking about him. Aww. And, um, and my stepbrother Jack was also at this dinner. And he was like, yes, I can't stand that one song that he has. And, like, I want to be clear. Like, no one's bullying Ed Sheeran here. No one's even saying anything bad about him. It's just funny how, like, they both just have a petty dislike for him. And... That was like a point of connection that they were able to make fun of themselves over and connect with each other over. Ed Sheeran bringing people together. Yes, he's still bringing people together. But I do think, you know, you learn something about people, whether it's like the the best friend question or the nemesis question. And, you know, my mom, for example, is a doctor and she can't handle pseudoscience. So mm. she she can't she was like I'm definitely Gwyneth Paltrow uh-huh. because Gwyneth Paltrow you know runs Goop and 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 shares a lot of more like Eastern medicine and kind of New Age healing products and articles and my mom can't stand that stuff and so I said yeah that makes a lot of sense that answer makes a lot of sense and if you didn't know my mom like you would have learned about her passion which is medicine just by her talking about this 
I'm so fascinated by these questions. I'm going to be thinking about them for a while. And it's just nice to like be able to to bring friends from creative projects into my family home. I mean, that's yeah. the other thing, right? I, I, I do feel like I took responsibility for like running the the flow of the conversation that evening because it was mostly family and like a colleague here and there. And then it was my friends. So I sort of like steered the ship and it went so well. And I just was like really grateful though that I also have family that is so welcoming to strangers and to new friends from my work. Zandra, how is your art life? In my art life, last night Steve and I went to go see Tim Minchin in concert, which was really special for us because he's a mutual favorite of the two of us. And we've had these tickets for almost a year now, so we've been really looking forward to it. The highlight of the performance for me, and this is a spoiler for the set list, was in the encore, he performed When I Grow Up from Matilda the Musical, which he composed. And I just squealed out loud with joy because I had no expectation for him to play something from Matilda the Musical. A couple of years ago, we went to see Elton John, and my secret hope was that he would play something from Lion King or Billy Elliot, and he did not. And I think that really silenced any lingering hope I had that this kind of thing would happen. Um, But he went there and played When I Grow Up, and it was just such a lovely way to end the show. And it reminded me of how how much I love that musical. Matilda is one of my favorite musicals, which is saying something because it's an adaptation of one of my favorite books. And it's one of those one of those shows that really does justice to both the original and to the medium of the theater. So I was it brought back going to see that for the first time and um you know, the power of live performance. I love that this was so exciting for you and that like it was in part so exciting because your expectations were z- not low, but like... Oh, they were low. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Or, or they were low. Yeah. Um, I've been reflecting a lot recently on on like art versus entertainment and how there shouldn't be a divide between those Mm. um but sometimes you know people can get myself included like pretentious about film or music um and you know like maybe some of these musicians you've mentioned feel really strongly that like their personal project is their art and like oh you know they they wrote the music for a musical or you know they wrote soundtrack for a big disney film and like well that's totally separate Mm. from what their show is um you know and i'm I'm wondering if this is one of the first times that you've gotten to see someone celebrate the many different parts of their their own discography and if that felt like if that like healed some part of you that has had to watch artists separate them That's really interesting. I hadn't thought of it that way, but I think you're absolutely right, where part of my joy when he played those opening chords was a realization that he, this is his passion project too. He cares so much about this musical that he wrote, that he included it, not just in the show, but to end the show, especially after it is very different from his other music and I think that's what made my hopes go down as well as like, oh, this really wouldn't fit in. But he made a joke about it and said, well, if in case anyone was confused when they got tickets and thought that this was a children's musical concert, here's one more. And I think that's the power of that song or the the whole score of Matilda that he wrote as well is that it really feels like children's voices. It feels like what 
kids would be singing about rather than like the cool filtered adult interpretation of what it's like to be a kid. So there's some running themes throughout in terms of the what we see in the lyrics and then his decision to include it in the show. It's just it, it felt very open. I think sometimes when artists have a hit like that too, like in the way that that musical was a hit, they can then be resistant to like talking about it because they want the other parts of their work to be seen. Mm. Like they're like, no, I want you to care about my solo album though. Um, And I just, I think it sounds so lovely that there was space for both. Oh yeah. And in the case of Alton John in particular, I think it's just that he had so, so many songs to include. Every single song he sang, everyone was going wild over, that there wasn't really space, especially for something a little more niche in musical theater as Billy Elliot, which is what my right. favorite Elton John project. Um, maybe Lion King was more of a, a crowd pleaser, but um, I want to, in case Elton is listening... I just want to know you're listening. Like, let him know that I I understand he had some hard choices. We understand that everything you do is a hit. <laughs> it's it's hard to always be a hit. That's what my psychic told me today. <laughs> the other um really special thing about this show was the other song he played in the encore was his Christmas song, White Wine in the Sun which is a wonderful warm weather Christmas song since he's from Australia. And what was special about it was that he announced that this is this concert was the first time he was playing it this year. And so everyone just sort of felt a little more present and was like, oh, we're getting something. We're getting something special. And it's actually a great song for transitioning into this episode because it's a lovely Christmas tune while also acknowledging the need to reconcile some challenges around the holiday season, including things like capitalism and consumerism. Yeah. So I was really excited when we brought up this topic. We were sort of aware that our episodes come out on Fridays and that Black Friday was coming up. And I think both of us have many feelings about gift giving, gift making, and even something we touched on a couple episodes ago was like how to give good gifts to artists. Like what do artists need? Whether it's studio space or time to do their work. Um, this is a really interesting topic. And especially because this episode will be coming out on Black Friday, it's just something I'm really passionate about because I know that for me, the best gifts I've been given in my life have been the ones that have been free or handmade. Um, and I, I wanted to just start with asking you, like, what are some of the best and most meaningful gifts that you've received in your life? Well, I just mentioned this in an Everyday Wonderland postcard that the my favorite Christmas gift was the yellow boombox that I received when... I think I was five years old, and it lasted me all through childhood and sadly stopped working a few years ago, finally. But it, it lasted me many, many years and was the machine that I used to listen to music and to listen to Harry Potter audiobooks. And there's something about it being a gift and not just something that I had in my room that also made it special and symbolized that this this is the gift of music. And it became like, it sounds like it became such a big part of your art life over such a long time. It was like a, a symbol as well as like a useful practical thing, right? Totally. I even have a little keychain of a boombox on um. my purse now because I just... I really resonate with with it as a symbol. And I'm actually, at the moment, I am looking for a new CD player because I miss it. And I've just asked for CDs for Christmas because people always ask me what to get. And I, wow. I don't 
really like the exchanging shopping lists aspect of gift giving at Christmas. And so I like to give people something that gives room for them to uh, or makes them pick something slightly more personal. And so I've said, pick me out some CDs. A couple of years That's ago. such a perfect gift for you, too. Oh, my gosh. love music so much and making playlists. A couple of years ago, I was participating in a gift exchange with the Rob Has a Podcast patron community. And you fill out – it was very well organized. You fill out a form of, like, what kinds of things you like, um, any specific requests. And I asked my secret Santa for music. And I said, pick – Here's I have on Facebook a um, a photo album called Albums Album, and I track all of the albums that I listen to. And so I linked to that and said, this is what I like to listen to. This is what I have listened to. Pick me out something that you love. And he introduced me to Maggie Rogers, who's one of my favorite artists now. And so I text my secret santa from this thing and say like i'm on the way to her concert now thanks for introducing me to her and i don't know anything else about this person except that he thought i would like maggie rogers and that was enough and now you have a friend for life what about you what have been the most memorable gifts for you well i realized that some of the most memorable and meaningful gifts for me have been have been services and like my my love language is definitely acts of service so that makes a lot of sense um they've been services or they've been pieces of art my friend sawyer who i used to run the book podcast with that i've mentioned uh in this episode already um sawyer one year wrote me a friend fiction (laughs) he wrote me He basically wrote a fan fiction about me and about my me and taking down my arch nemesis. This is just coming up in this episode, I guess. And um, it was so funny. And it was like he like incorporated all of these, um, you know, stories over our years of friendship and like different like books and artists that I loved were like in this friend fiction. And it's, you know, I'm going to remember that for the rest of my life because it was so funny and silly, but it was also so meaningful because it's like, this is someone who really knows me and knows exactly what would make me laugh and light up reading. Um, So that's something that I think about a lot with like, that costs no money and it was one of the best things ever. Um, And, you know, when my little brother Joshua was 10, he... He's 10 years old. And for Christmas, um, you know, my I come from a huge family and there's mountains of presents every year. And we're all exchanging, you know, the doodads and whatevers that we've picked up over, over the year for each other. And um, my little brother, Josh, gets to me and, and he just quiets the room down. And... He pulls out a piece of paper that I still have from his back pocket that has some, like, hastily scrawn notes on it. And then he proceeds to perform a Shakespeare monologue for me. Oh, my gosh. And that was his gift to me, was was performing a work of Shakespeare. And it was awesome. It was so awesome. I fell out of my seat. I was so impressed. He did a fantastic job. And he's also 10 years old. And I'm like, who are you coming up with such an amazing gift? And just going all in and knowing me well enough to know that that's a better gift for me Mm. than a poster or a DVD. Like, that is what is really going to make a make a mark and so that's another one but all of these things are sort of performances or pieces of art that people have given me or like in my sister's case she's a phenomenal artist and she's done helpful things for me as well as gifts um or for gifts such as like editing my demo reel or um 
you know, helping me with with actual like practical creative things I needed help with. Um, she has also done things like uh, she she got her like Thai massage certification at one point. So sometimes like if I'm really upset or it's just what I need, she will just give me a massage as a gift. Or recently, I told you about this before the show, Zandra, and um, it just happened today, so it's super relevant. I was having a lot of um, frustration and feelings of stagnation in my creative career, and my lovely sister, who is also an artist, understands those feelings, and she she paid for me to go see a psychic that she had just seen recently who like she had a really good experience with and i'm sure some people listening to this are like well that sounds ridiculous and I'm, and i'm sure some people are listening going wow that's amazing but for me it was amazing you know she had had this experience that was really helpful for her in unsticking when she was in a bad place or in a in a frustrated place and she just we like were on a hike and i was just talking about where i was at and there's also no holiday you know there's no birthday she was just so generous and she was like i want to give you this because i think it'll really help you and it did that i went to see the psychic um, today and that was such an amazing gift because it was like it was an act of service you know it was like rather than saying hey i know you're frustrated um here's a here's a cup of coffee or let me buy you a drink or you know here's um I got you even I mean I love flowers but it's like instead of like an item that's like oh you're you're having a rough day today huh it's like here's here's money to go see a psychic so that you could handle this it's amazing and I feel like the through line in all of these gifts is like they're so deeply personal even if they're like funny they're really personal. Grace, what I want to point out about these stories is how you are receiving these gifts as well and framing them as such, because it would be so easy to say, well, this doesn't apply to a holiday or an occasion, and so it's just paying for a thing. But I love how you are fully relishing in the gift by calling it such. And I think that I can be someone who has discomfort around, like, not always. I love gift giving, but I sometimes have difficulty with gift receiving for some reason. Hmm. Maybe that's because I've moved a lot in my adulthood. So, like, stuff feels like a burden sometimes. Um, But it's also, like, you know, I don't quantify my, my relationships by the physical items that they produce. So those moments where someone's helped me with something or performed for me or written for me, that's just landed so much more than like even a really extravagant gift that someone's given me. I think we're getting to a way of dealing with the Black Friday consumerist notion of gifts that I get really stressed about too, and I am a minimalist and have been for many years, and that started out with the practicality of having to move back and forth across the ocean so many times during university. I literally had to carry all of my possessions with me back and forth and keep packing and unpacking, and so it was a bit of a burden to receive physical gifts, which is what has made me seek alternatives like music or food, something that can be consumed that I don't have to pack up and count towards my 23 kilos of allotted baggage and (laughs) baggage. And what I'm learning from your stories, Grace, is that when people do things that are gifts, and we acknowledge it as such, it's it's showing that that counts as much as and more than something that you can wrap up and put under the tree. 
That's what's strange to me is that these ephemeral gifts, these live performances or services, can seem like they don't, people might feel like they don't count as much as something that's tangible. But actually what we're, in our discussion, it's clear that these things are even more meaningful. They really are. And I I think it almost is a cliche to say like, it's the thought that counts or like a really good handmade gift is actually more meaningful or, you know, whatever it is. But like, man, that's also cliche for a reason. I know that for me, like a physical thing that I like to give, and just so you know, Sandra, would really love to receive someday. <laughs> My favorite gift to give and one that I, I, I always dream of getting is like an annotated book from a from a best friend like i okay, love to give just making it's a just, note maybe write that down um i do that for my dad a lot because he's a big reader and that's something that we're able to really connect on um so you know giving someone a book e- e- even like my favorite book like hello i got you this copy of this book that has had a profound impact on me it's a used, beat-up copy, and I have notes throughout it. That is an amazing gift to me. Um, because not only are you getting to experience a work of fiction or nonfiction, and, you know, I love to read, so that's, like, I always like getting books. It's also, like, a whole intimate conversation with someone I love because I'm seeing the parts that they underlined and the little notes that they wrote in the margins, and that's just so special. This is reminding me of Gilmore Girls because Rory and Jess first bond when he annotates her copy of a book. Um, And this is a slightly different situation because he steals the book and writes in it without her permission, which is not what we're saying that you should do. But the gesture... (laughs) It is a power move and it's very romantic and we remember it well. So... So, yeah, like, make your own decisions based on the the situation that that you're in. Um, But it it makes me think of my favorite gift-giving stories on television. And one of them is in season one of Gossip Girl when Dan and Serena have just started dating and they have this whole... They have this whole conflict about what do I get, what what do they get each other for Christmas? They come from different worlds, different expectations, and Serena tries to get Dan like a really fancy watch, and he's like, "This is so uncomfortable to receive." And so they set they set boundaries about they have a price limit, but then it doesn't even become about how much money they've spent, and what they end up doing is making experiences for each other where Serena's living in a hotel and they won't allow Christmas trees. And so Dan's gift is that he smuggles a Christmas tree into her hotel room through the back door. Oh, that's so lovely. It's so sweet. And similarly, Dan really wants it to snow and it's snow is not on the forecast. And so his dad owns an art gallery and Serena, with some help, puts together an art installation that makes it look like digital snow and creates these paper snowflakes and makes him this indoor winter wonderland. I love the gift of experiences so much, especially personalized ones like that. Um, and, you know, this whole conversation, it just it's just reminding me that, like, I, I think... I can say, like, well, I'm an artist and I'm a punk, so, like, I don't like capitalism, you know, or, like, I just want art. But I think most people feel this way. Mm. It's not about claiming the title of artist or anti-capitalist. Like, I think when it comes down to it, what most people want is to feel connection to the people that they love. And they want to feel seen. They want to feel seen and thought of and like the best gifts are those that make us feel that way, right? A couple episodes ago, we talked about how Steve built you a sound booth while you were away for the purpose of your podcasting ventures. And I was like shocked because that was the most beautiful gift I could think of for you at this time in your life. 
for an artist in general and especially because like it sounded like he surprised you with that you didn't know that was coming I was totally floored by that story that you shared we were starting to we had ordered the foam and we're working on it together and the main surprise was that he put in the extra features of the bookshelves Um, and so what I was originally planning to do with the studio was just have a microphone, just let it do the bare minimum. But actually what it is now able to do is hold all of my books in a space where they're not crammed. And I have a little desk where I can set up a folding chair and do my work in and feel like I can retreat in here when I need to work a little bit later in the day because the table that I, uh, the other table that I use to do my work is also our dinner table in our living room, which is also our kitchen. And so it's what Virginia Woolf says it's a room of one's own and has been so necessary for my art life. And it also makes me think, and it also makes me think about sometimes for artists, an amazing gift can be the gift of time. Like, hey, I know you have this deadline. I'm going to take the kids Mm. for the night so that you can finish this. Or like, hey, I know you're, you know, working a day job full time. So I want to do a bunch of your household chores so that when you get home, you can work on your essay. Mm-hmm. Um, that's not relevant to you, but you know, you know what I mean? Um, like I think a lot, again, as an acts of service person, I think a lot about how the best gifts for artists are like recognizing that it never feels like we have enough time to do all of the ideas in our head. And when someone can go, let me help you with that. Let me help you by building a studio or let me help you by freeing you up of some responsibilities like that is such a personal, intimate, loving gift that you can give an artist. And maybe something that we can workshop is a an idea that I have that I think my friends have had trouble receiving, which is that I want to offer my space at home to my friends. And um, this worked really well one time when Snug was a wee pup and couldn't be left alone at the time, but I needed to go out. And so I offered my friend a an exchange where she could come over and do her work here and help herself to all of our tea collection and all of the various amenities that we have at home in exchange for keeping an eye on the puppy. And I, she had a great time. And I would love to arrange that more often with my friends because there is something about getting out of your home, especially in these studio flats, getting out of our living space and being in a different environment to do our our writing or our, our creating. And so I was thinking about this idea of like a, a desk swap of come to the cafe in my home. I, I love that. And I love um, work dates and and how also that that's like a gift of accountability. Mm. Like, hey, you have this space where you can work on your writing and show up every week. Um, I know that I love doing like play readings with Ooh. actor friends, especially when people can't afford class at different times. I'll say, we'll come over and we'll read a two-person screenplay or a two-man show, and then you're getting class. See, that kind of experience sounds really lovely to me, and I wouldn't have thought about it in the context of a gift, when really what that is, if you invite people over for a play reading, that's like a gift exchange where you don't have to do a a secret Santa and physically open presents with each other. If everyone comes around and sits in a circle and reads a Shakespeare play, that that would be a gift exchange for me. Now I think I'm going to have a Christmas party that's just reading a Shakespeare play. (laughs) 
Well, I want to do that for Twelfth Night because it's called Twelfth Night because it's named for the twelfth day after Christmas. So I want to, I think it's like January 6th or so, but what a lovely post-holiday celebration. Many episodes ago now, you shared the details of your birthday party gathering. And based on the kinds of gifts that you have appreciated, I wish that next year I could gift you an open mic, <laughs> like set up a personal open mic for Friends of Grace to perform. Ooh. Perform your gifts. Here's the stage. Well, now I know what my next birthday party is going to be. That's amazing. <laughs> well, this is a, a now a running theme on on this show is uh, Grace's parties and whether the guests are up for all of the various challenges that they uh that right they every time i have a party people are giving me a gift by following theme yeah because i just feel so passionately about my party ideas and it's so moving to me when people are like ready to play you know when when like i had alice in wonderland birthday party and people wore tea party dresses or funny hats like i was like thank you and i even wrote in the event i was like i just moved Please don't bring me gifts. Please don't bring me stuff. The greatest gift you could give me would be to dress up for this. Please, I beg you. And then everyone did. I was like, wow, I have the best friends in the whole world. They come through. They get you. So what is the art life? The art life is seeing people. And knowing that that is a gift. What is the art life? The art life is receiving as well as giving. I'm really glad you said that. I think it's this time of year is challenging because it it used to be about giving gifts to people and more and more I'm noticing it's a, okay, what do you want? What do you want? And um, I I get all stressy and, resents, and resentful about that, but I'm also going to keep in mind the art of receiving and enjoying receiving gifts however people wish to give them to me. This is definitely making me excited for the holiday season. And excited to even rethink some of my previous plans for what I was giving people. And make them more theatrical. Yeah, and and, and f- focus more on what I can make that will make people s- feel seen. Like last year, I, for my roommate Katra, I like did this extravagant art piece of her favorite meme. And she insisted it's like the best gift she's ever gotten. And at the time, I was like, I have no money. What can I do for this amazing person who I want to give something extravagant to? And so I, I, you know, I framed a piece of art for her that I made that was very much for her and her alone. I think that's a reminder of the title we chose for this episode, Tis a Gift to be Simple. And the reality is that Making something from scratch is really time-consuming. And so I want to put out the reminder as well that a little thought goes a long way. Totally. And then, yeah, it doesn't have to be complicated. It doesn't have to be labor-intensive. It just has to be made and given with love and, you know, ideally something that's more about what someone needs than just handing over a gift card. You know, it's more about making someone feel appreciated for whatever they're doing in the world and however they've affected your life than it is about an expensive piece of junk. We can 
play to our strengths as well. Sort of like you mentioned your sister was learning the Thai massage. Use the skill that that you've been developing. And so for me, it can be as simple as writing a card to somebody and and using language to say that. Whereas like my sister is hilarious and she has this tradition in our family of making these cards where like before Photoshop, she would use paint or collage, like paint the, the software and like based on a movie that we had just seen as a family or a TV show that we were watching together, she would like put our heads on the faces of the characters and <laughs> it's oh, she'd make that. these little cards that became iconic and my dad puts them up in his office and um she she made us a Hamilton themed uh wedding anniversary card citing <laughs> well she cited the 12 dual commandments for the year of uh, our anniversary and then she's like uh, maybe this doesn't apply to marriage <laughs> I thought that was <laughs> <laughs> I hope I not thought that was hilarious and the truth is that that's her skill and that's not something that I'm as good at doing so when I write her a birthday card I'm like there's no way this is going to be as funny as the card that she makes me so I can make her a card in a way that I is is how I speak too well Zandra, speaking of your writing, and might I even suggest your recent interest in writing poetry, where can people find your art? Is this a hint about gifts as well? It's a hint about gifts. I'm. You should write people some fun poems because you are a lovely poetry writer. Okay, I will take that into consideration. Um. I'm not available for... My request is under review with management. <laughs> not currently available for commissions, but I will uh, review my... Uh, I will take that piece of feedback into consideration. Um, yes, my writing is available to read on heroinetraining.com. I publish them there. You can receive them in your inbox for free and sign up there as well. I also publish them on Instagram at heroin training and it is near the end of the month now so it's a great time as well to join everyday wonderland which is my membership program for finding wonder where you already are one minute at a time so you can visit everydaywonder.land to explore more about that grace where can people find your art my art is always posted on patreon.com slash gracegordonofficial. That's where I basically round up um, recent photo projects, collections of what I'm uh, consuming, you know, whether it's food, podcasts, music, um, film and TV. Like I've been doing these weekly blog roundups of like my favorite things of the week, which has been really rewarding because I think it brings people into my life more. Um, and I had a patron tell me that he like made a recipe that I posted in that list a couple weeks ago. And he was like, it was so good. And that just made me so happy. I was like, oh my God, you made the recipe that I posted on Patreon. Oh, little stuff like that makes me so freaking happy. So I post photos from modeling and films that I'm doing and all of those things on Patreon. Um, and otherwise, you can just keep track of me on Twitter and Instagram. Um, or, uh, you know, do me, do me a favor and send me a letter because I don't want to hear from you on social media. I want to hear from you via snail mail. Speaking of which, we got a new... Um, a new piece of art life fan mail today oh so a big thank you to mary rosewood for sending us a letter um you'll be hearing back from us and as always like the art life loves to receive letters we have a p.o box um and we're just trying to create a different way of doing things for those listeners who 
who also want to put their you know pen to paper rather than write a tweet yeah i'm so glad that we did that and i think that's that feels really relevant to this episode as well so please send us a, a letter or a postcard let us know what you have let us know what you are planning to do for your gift giving season and if there are any other ideas that we haven't discussed here that you are excited to share with us because I would love to hear them. I would love that too. And I, I think it would be really cool to do a follow-up, maybe whole episode or just, you know, segment in the f- in upcoming weeks where we share some stories from mm. listeners because I know that there are going to be listeners who have had some amazing art life gifts or who have given some thoughtful pieces of art and want to share about that. Grace, didn't you write about this a year or so ago on your Patreon? Yes. We, we can link to that, I, too. I vaguely remember. <laughs> I, I did. You're right. You're right. Yes. Yes. Um. Oh, yeah, I did. Because it was when I made that piece of art for Katra. I actually, I, I photographed the different steps of it, and I wrote, like, a long blog post about those gifts that have been more meaningful to me and about making gifts in general. You had, like... So thanks for reminding me of that, because I would not have remembered well it it stuck with me because you you listed like 50 amazing ideas for creative ways of giving gifts so i'm just laughing so much like out of the microphone right now because (laughs) i i do not remember this and i'm so glad that i have friends keeping track of the shit that i make because i clearly don't (laughs) (laughs) well your, your your patrons have got your back, Grace. Thank you, Sandra. <laughs> All right. Whether it is morning or middle of the night, whether you're up listening to this, doodling, or writing a card for your mom, we hope you have a wonderful night or morning. Goodbye. Goodbye. This is The Art Life. A heroin training podcast with Grace Gordon and me, Zandra Robinson Burns. You can find us online at theartlife.show and send letters to The Art Life, care of Grace Gordon, P.O. Box number 4292, Valley Village, California 91607, or email us theartlife at herointraining.com. Our theme music is The Stream by Rory. Thank you for joining us.